Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and I'm happy to be with you. For some of you, this might be your first episode, and I would say welcome. I hope to give you a good tour of the show in today's episode, highlighting some of my favorite themes and episodes that we've covered on the show, and I hope you'll check some of these out. For others, this is just the latest Therapy for Real Life episode that you're catching up on. And for all of you, I want you to know that this is the last episode that I will record as the host of the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This has been an amazing experience for me, and I will share with you a little bit more about my decision to bring the show to a close by the end of the podcast. But my hope is that this show can become an archive of self-care skills that you can come back to anytime to support your ongoing burnout prevention and self-care practice. I look forward to sharing some updates about what I'm currently focusing on later in the show to give you some updates about my own professional and personal burnout prevention practice. And as you listen throughout today's episode, I invite you to do the same reflection when it comes to finding balance in your own self-care practice. Let's take a moment now and think about the original intention of the Therapy for Real Life podcast. To be honest, I started the podcast as part of my own burnout prevention process. You know, therapists are in this position like a lot of professions where we are set up for moral injury because we know that there is overwhelming need for mental health services now and previously, and this will remain true until we cover that gap uh, in services. Uh, And we know that therapy is expensive. So as a therapist, I was used to hearing this from clients that folks can't afford weekly therapy. So this is a big stressor. And so of course, creating the Therapy for Real Life podcast is a great way to make therapy concepts more accessible outside the therapy space as we translate these ideas into self-care practices. And so as a therapist, it's a lot of fun to have this tool to share with folks just in case anyone is having a hard time and wants to study ahead and practice these self-care skills. And as a therapist, that's been really rewarding. Plus, it's been fun as a host on this show to flex all those creative muscles that I can as I pick and choose guests and topics. And I feel so grateful for that experience. So in hosting the Therapy for Real Life podcast, it's been really important to me 
that we highlight skills that are backed by research and shown to be helpful in moments of stress. This is why most of the self-care strategies highlighted on the Therapy for Real Life podcast are adapted from dialectical behavior therapy. DBT is a highly effective skills training model that is shown to help regulate intense emotions, support healthy habits, and improve relationships. And the Therapy for Real Life podcast archive features more than 28 self-care skills coaching episodes that feature DBT concepts. In my opinion, this isn't bad, considering the fact that the full model of DBT includes weekly therapy sessions and 32 consecutive weeks of group skills coaching sessions. Imagine how expensive that is. Who can afford that? So that's where this podcast has been really helpful for folks who want to practice the skills themselves outside of a therapy space. And those of you are, who are already familiar with DBT concepts know that DBT teaches us four areas of self-care strategies and skills. These include mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotion regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness or relationship skills. In true DBT fashion, the Therapy for Real Life podcast aims to be an explainer podcast. Taking research-backed therapy concepts and then adapting them into self-care strategies that any of us can use on a daily basis. And as you tune in to each of these DBT episodes, you'll notice that I follow a similar format, introducing the self-care skill, explaining why it's important or the research behind it, and then giving you a chance to practice the skill with me as I facilitate an example exercise to help you practice it. Let's listen in now to one of these episodes on mindfulness. You'll hear the tail end of one of the relaxation exercises that we practice together and a little bit about why it is so effective. Try it with me now. always schedule even small increments of time during your day when you give yourself permission to just do nothing beyond exist in the world for just one minute. This is what mindfulness practice is. It gives you a chance to connect with the five senses. <clears throat> and if you want to really restore yourself during this time, you can pick and choose where to focus that attention. So for example, I choose to experience beauty as part of my burnout prevention plan. And sometimes that's just letting the sun kind of 
soak into my skin for a few restful moments of unhurried time. And part of the skill that I'm using is I'm giving my, myself permission to do this, knowing that I have plenty of work that needs to be done. This is part of burnout prevention, to give yourself that time. And the five senses will help you do that. That is the only way to maintain contact with the present moment. So you can observe nature, listen to sounds, tune into bodily sensations, observe thoughts come and go, noticing the urge to participate in them or talk back to these thoughts, but just really practicing that practice of observing and noticing and taking this time even if it's just one minute to experience your body and live in the present moment sometimes can be experienced as a really restorative action and in terms of self-care this is giving you access to your own life even in really 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 difficult moments just noticing what that experience is like to tap into that experience. Why don't we do that now as we just take the next minute to observe all of the senses in a brief mindfulness check-in and do go ahead and do this with me. Pause if you need to, whatever you're, whatever you're doing at this moment so that you can really practice that mindful awareness like John Kabat-Zinn has said, that practice of paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. So you're going to let go of any judgments right now of what you should be doing and allow yourself to practice the beginner's mind of pausing to do one minute of mindfulness practice. And let's do the simple five, four, three, two, one grounding exercise of awakening the senses. Let's do this together. Awaken the sense of sight as you look around the space where you are right now and simply notice five things that you can see. Look at the colors the visual textures. Notice compare and contrast. As you look around the space, take the time to notice five things that you can see. Pause the podcast at any point if you need to, just to take the time lingering in this exercise. And when you've done that, let's ground our attention now in Number four in four, sounds around you. I'm noticing sounds in the space where I am. And you can even pause the podcast to take a moment and really notice where you are as you pay attention to four sounds around you. Whenever you're ready, move the attention on now to three sensations in the body whether those sensations are temperature, movement, texture, aching, relaxation, 
pleasure or not. Just notice what is, knowing that you don't have to do anything about it, at least for right now. Continue to soak up the senses now as you take a deep inhale in allowing yourself to notice any scents or smells in the space where you are. Notice any reactions, judgments, preferences about what you notice and continue to notice what is. Lastly, five, four, three, two, one. Notice if you have any taste. Notice if you have any taste in your mouth or cravings, urges, desire to taste something. And practice the art of mindful noticing, noticing. Allow yourself to breathe at a natural pace as you let this moment linger a little longer as you scan all of the sensations of the body, all of the senses. Notice if any gentle words come to describe the state of how you feel right now, whether that's a feelings word, a physical word, a mood, movement. Just notice it and also notice what it feels like for you to give yourself the time to develop this kind of self-awareness. Knowing that you can come back to these kinds of check-ins anytime you want to. That is something that you can give yourself at a moment's notice. You should know that all of the DBT episodes that are featured in the Therapy for Real Life podcast can be found by clicking on the podcast tab on the therapyforreallife.com website page. You will find a direct link there to a PDF that outlines all of the different DBT skills episodes on mindfulness, reality acceptance, mood regulation, and relationship skills. Dialectical behavior therapy is not only a research-backed counseling method shown to help regulate mood and build skills in relationships and habit changes. It is also derived from a lot of the teachings of Zen mindfulness principles. Let's listen back to an interview with Randy Wolbert who is not only a licensed psychotherapist, but also a Zen practitioner and teacher himself. Let's listen to him describe some of his first introductions to the spiritual practices that dialectical behavior therapy draws from to create effective mood regulation tools. And... Uh, so I went to one day retreats, actually really did like that a lot. Um, again, I was uh, missing more the the spiritual path and I didn't even know I was missing it. I knew I was missing something. 
Did and you have words words for that at that time besides spiritual path? Was there, you know, no. this this is a burnout prevention uh, podcast, so some people oh, okay. you know, listening yeah. in might be calling it burnout. But I'm wondering at that time in your life, how did you? No, did you... it was uh, it was like feeling like something was missing. Yeah. It uh, I I enjoyed um, sitting. Uh, although 45 minutes at a stretch seemed awfully long and uh, just felt like I was getting uh, sort of the psychological and probably some of the physiological benefits from sitting, uh, but it just felt like there was something missing. And um, so I did a little bit of reading, but one of the things that Marsha Linehan um uh, did was she was running these retreats um, and she had started them a year or two earlier than I got in on my first one. And we would go to these trainers meetings as uh, BTEC trainers and uh, she would always invite everybody. And uh, so I finally uh, decided, okay, I'm gonna go. And uh, the person that uh, really convinced me to go was uh, Gwen, who was the person that I did um, DBT with at the at the agency. She was the DBT services supervisor, and fortunately, uh, she didn't tell me what I was in for because um, I was expecting it be. Oh yeah, we'd sit for a while and then Marsha would deliver this wonderful training and then we'd sit for a little while and then she'd deliver more training. I was ill prepared for all those hours of sitting. You were thinking about the fun parts in grad school or something like that. Like uh, um and and hanging out in the desert because it was in Tucson. Uh-huh. Um and actually uh, the first time I'm sitting there, uh, so she explains how to sit. And uh, so I'm sitting there and uh, in Zen, there's the tradition of sitting facing the wall. And I was thinking, what's with this? Um, and it's eyes open and Vipassana is always with your eyes closed. And I'm trying to figure out what's with that. And uh, I actually started feeling like I was going to have a panic attack when I first started sitting. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And uh, then I remember it's like, OK, so what's the best treatment for when panic arises? <laughs> oh, breathing. That's what I'm supposed to do anyway. And uh, so I got through that retreat and uh, about halfway through or something, it shifted from survival status to, yeah, I can do this, to actually finding um, a little bit of peace that started coming with it. And uh, by the time I left, I knew I was going to come again. Uh, we would do interviews with uh, Marsha um, and also with Pat Hawk, who was uh, Marsh, one of Marsha's teachers. And uh, I remember going to see Pat Hawk and uh, Pat was interested in what my training, uh, what my practice was. And I told him, well, I am an on again, off again sitter. And he said, well, just sit every day. He said, no matter what, just sit every day, but only do it for five minutes. Because the problem that we have is if we start thinking 45 minutes or every day is 
life is going to get in the way of that, but you can always find five minutes. And so that's the advice I got from him. And I took his advice right away. And uh, from that day on, I don't think I've missed any days of sitting. That's about 12, 13 years ago. Not only was the Therapy for Real Life podcast a huge opportunity to make dialectical behavior therapy skills even more accessible, it was also a chance to talk to some incredible guest experts on the show. Not only did we interview Randy Wolbert to talk about the Zen roots of DBT, but I also had the opportunity to talk to a lot of other experts in the field, expanding beyond DBT to a lot of other types of therapy styles. You'll hear me throughout the show talk to more than one neuroscientist, many fellow therapists who describe their particular specialties, and non-therapists who describe the contextual factors that are so important as we look at mental health. For example, one of my favorite guest interviews was talking to Anne Helen Peterson, culture critic and writer specialist in burnout concepts. And I really appreciate all of the work that she does. So it was a pleasure interviewing her on the podcast. Let's listen in now as she talks about the impact of community and network as we think about strategic burnout prevention efforts. And so when you describe these mutual aid opportunities, even if it's just kind of talking over the fence to the neighbor, what you're, you're acting opposite to burnout by, um, being the one to alleviate someone else's cognitive uh, load and being part of a helping helping circle, yeah, um, which definitely doesn't solve the problem, but it sure does sound like a good way to create community um, yes. and microcultures against burnout. Well, and I do think community is a burnout antidote, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that um, having meaningful things in your life, like whether uh, it's a, a spiritual practice, a, a volunteer opportunity that you just, you cannot ever, like it is something that is so important to you that is not movable. Like those things come into your space that work can't creep into. And mm-hmm. one of our problems as a society is we have made, we've allowed work to kind of box out all of those other things that we once thought were important. So just the act of saying like, no, this is a time that I'm not doing anything related to work, that I have made a commitment every week that I'm going to go be a volunteer firefighter for that night. Um, or that I'm going to go like have this two hour shift at the food bank. That is a resistance against burnout culture right there. I'm grateful to each guest who came on the show and shared their special expertise with listeners. Many of the expert guests who came on the show had really practical advice to share. Let's listen to a clip with Dr. Nate Zinsler next. 
Dr. Zinser is the Director of Performance Psychology Program at the United States Military Academy. He talks about skills that you need to stay unshakable in the face of high-stress situations. In the next little clip that you'll listen to, he describes how to change habits by not get stuck, getting stuck on what not to do, and instead how to use the technique of visualization. Let's listen in. Your work shows and research shows that it's more effective to try something else instead. Could you talk a little bit about visualization? Certainly. Um, I've talked a little bit about memories, how we think about our past. We've talked a little bit about the stories and the self-talk that you have about yourself in the, in the present. Mm -hmm. I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. But da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. Then there's the way you think about your future. Your imagination. Uh, we have a very evolved, very complicated, very, very uh, effective video production studio in our skulls. We can create pictures. We can create scenarios. We can create little movies about futures that have not yet happened. Okay, let's take advantage of this. By the way, when we do engage our imagination, it's not just an idle mental process, but when we engage our imagination, we stimulate all kinds of other systems in our body. When we engage our imaginations, we get our muscles, our heart, our lungs, our gustatory uh, equipment, our visual equipment stimulated as well. So the idea of getting a mental rep for the purpose of, you know, rehearsing for a game, rehearsing for an exam, rehearsing for a sales presentation, we're actually accessing and stimulating the same neural circuits and neural pathways that we will actually be using when we're in the moment executing. So let's prepare those neural pathways. Let's get them, let's give them more practice. Let's streamline them. You know, the neurons that fire together tend to wire together. So we're actually carving deep grooves, deep tracks in our skull so that nervous impulses can travel quickly down a, down a super highway as opposed to a bumpy dirt road. So I urge all my clients to get really good at thinking about what you want. Mm. How do you how do you want this sales presentation to turn out? How do you want this lacrosse game to turn out? That's easy. Now, how do you want to feel as you're going in? How do you want to feel at the start? How do you want to feel at certain key moments in the game? And very importantly, how do you want to respond if a few things don't go right? If you know, you're in the middle of a sales presentation and there's a power outage and your AV material all gets blanked out, are you ready to be graceful and communicative and engaging 
without your PowerPoints, without your materials, whatever. Have you anticipated that? I refer to it as a flat tire drill. Do you know how to change a flat tire in your car? Have you practiced that? Because you don't want to be doing that for the first time ever in the dark, in the rain, on a strange road when you're in the hurry to get somewhere. By the same token, have you thought about the things that could go wrong and then thought a whole lot more about how you're going to get back on track when they happen and then visualize, envision how it's going to be as you get back on track and the result in that moment that you're going to, that you wish to achieve. Well, I hope you enjoy listening back to some of these interviews as much as I have. I've designed the Therapy for Real Life podcast to be an evergreen resource that you can come back to at any time. We have nearly a hundred episodes now on different self-care strategies, mood regulation, stress management, relationship advice. My hope is that you will go back to therapyforreallife.com and click on the podcast tab anytime you are hoping to feel a little bit more connected, grounded, or strategic in your self-care. One of the reasons I'm stepping back from the podcast is so that I can become more and more active with workshops for real life. I started workshops for real life very much in the same spirit as the therapy for real life podcast. I want to offer more non-therapy options and tools to make them available to folks where they need them when it comes to burnout prevention and self-care. So definitely stay tuned with my work by checking out workshopsforreallife.com where you'll find all kinds of options for work, work, workshops and in-person trainings using a lot of the same tools that we've adapted uh, on the show, you know, adapted from therapy for self-care. Now it's really exciting to see these skills taught in spaces where we all go to every day and and normalize self-care and burnout prevention where we need it most you know which is outside of that really special therapy hour as the therapy for real life podcast comes to a close i want to thank you for making me part of your burnout prevention process this show has been a big part of my creative efforts in burnout prevention, and I've really enjoyed the experience. You being part of this process has been really meaningful to me, and I hope you continue to use the self-care tools that we highlight on the show. Of course, you're always welcome to find me by going to therapyforreallife.com or workshopsforreallife.com where you can message me to talk about therapy or burnout prevention programs. I am so grateful to have had the chance to be connected to you through this show. 
and I wish you well as you continue your burnout prevention planning. Remember, this is not therapy. This is real life. Thank you.